1: Hi, this is Jonathan Guevara, and you're listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, we've got another great interview for you today. Remember, every Tuesday and every Thursday, it's a new interview here at the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Every Saturday is our new uh, is a new music uh, podcast. Uh, you want to go to LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. That's the website where you can get all your Ludini needs met. Um, today I have on uh, the line with us uh, Jonathan Kavare. Uh, Jonathan is an uh, excellent uh, singer, uh, songwriter, uh, just a, a very cool sound, great guitar player as well, as you're going to hear. Uh, we're going to get to Jonathan in a second. First, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, that is PTLMag.com. Uh, in, uh, Pittsburgh's first internet radio, TV network, online community magazine, and business directory. You can uh, you can see uh, all kind of um, audio and video there created by the members of the community. It's a lot of cool podcasts. It's a great place to read all kind of cool articles about a lot of great subjects, from uh, becoming an author to uh, cardiovascular health. I mean, just, just anything you can imagine is there for you. Uh, you can even start your own magazine page. And publish your own articles and audio and video. Uh, that site again is positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine (PPLMag. Com). And I've got, uh, like I was telling you, that I've got uh, Jonathan Trivere on the line. He's a Phoenix-based singer-songwriter, pop performer, uh, no stranger to writing catchy tunes that blend a wide-ranging influences into multi multi yet cohesive sound. Uh, Jonathan, welcome to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. How are you?
1: Hey Lou, thanks for having me, and thanks for the nice words about my guitar playing. That's always nice.
0: <laughs> okay, no problem. Hey, I just uh, you know when I like it, I like it. Um, but uh, so where, where are you calling in from? Were you calling from Phoenix? Yeah, I'm in my studio in Phoenix. Nice, nice. Um, I uh, I have some uh, I have some relatives out there. I haven't been out to see them in a, in a very long time. I'm going to have to get out there again. It just reminds me. Um, so John Jonathan, tell us a little bit. Uh, give us a, like the Reader's Digest, the sort of background to you know how you got started in music what made you decide to like you know how did you get bit by the bug to like want to go out there and be a singer songwriter guitar player and a performer tell us a tell give us gives the sort of background on that yeah
1: it's kind of a funny story i had a neighbor across the street who was a guitar teacher at our junior high and i thought well if i had trouble i can always knock on the door and have him help me out and make, make sure i can learn how to play guitar and learning chords and stuff. And soon after that, I, um, I met up some guys in school and we formed a little band. We, we knew like four songs
2: and we learned <laughs> rock and roll.
1: We, we learned rock and roll all night by Kiss and we dressed up as Kiss for our, our junior high talent show and I was ace and we had smoke and makeup on and costumes we made and all this and we won the talent show. It was the very first time I was ever on stage. I'm like, I want to do this. <laughs>
0: That's what got you kiss and uh, the talent show. Um, so, and I bet <laughs> yeah. the girls were probably really impressed too, huh? No one knew who we were because we had our makeup on. <laughs> and we were back in the school and no one knew. <laughs> oh, bother, so it was man. kind of
1: like a personal victory, but no one even cared. But you know, whatever. Um, so <laughs> there
0: was Kudos that. to you guys because a lot of kids that age get up and do like pantomime stuff and lip syncing and everything. You guys actually played so. Good for you. Um, so, what? Yep. So, what, what artists like really kind of influenced you to and you know uh, to to, uh, to to write and uh, start uh, putting together your own music? That's a good question.
1: Early on, when I started playing guitar um, and getting into bands and stuff, we liked a lot of rock bands. We liked the Scorpions, Cheap Trick, um, and then when the uh, the second British invasion happened, with bands like. Uh, the Fix and Cheap Trick and, and some of the U.S. bands um, like Berlin and the others, uh, we got bit by the British Invasion bug, and I picked up a, a keyboard and started playing both guitar and keyboards on stage um, as kind of a multi-instrumentalist multi-instrument, on stage with the band I was in. And we played a lot of shows, and it was two sets of brothers, and we got a lot of you know, experience on stage in various venues, you know, to the point where we were playing good and we get, like, uh, sabotage where we someone would plug an amp and stuff because we are sounding too good. All the classic stories you can imagine. Oh, wow. were playing in a band as a kid, a lot of times we couldn't even get out into the uh, the bar because we weren't old enough. We had to stay backstage the whole time. Just, you know, it was just really fun when we were kids playing all these different shows. And after a while, those different versions of bands, I decided I wanted to sing and I took lessons from uh, Steve Perry's a vocal coach in the Bay Area, and he was like a rock singer and developed my vocal style. And then uh, fast-forwarding, after a while I had um, an opportunity to work with David Kent. He was um, the lead engineer at Paisley Park with Prince. He was living in the Bay Area when we lived there near San Francisco. And he was working with some British musicians we loved. And most Americans didn't know who they were. It was a band called Japan. He went solo. a guy named David Sylvian. Well, I met up with all those guys. Next thing you know, I had a little production deal with him, and he was my mentor for a year and a half and taught me all these awesome recording techniques and, and turned me into the recording artist that I wanted to be. And from then on, I, I continued to pr- write and produce my own material and CDs and stuff, in the band I was in, that just now went solo.
0: Um, and that band, you're talking about iTalk?
1: That's that right. That was with my brother and a couple of different versions of different guys coming, uh,
0: came and went. Okay, great. Um, So when you went off and you started doing your own solo music, how did your music progress or change?
1: That's a really good question. I think because I had a collection of songs that I felt were, you know, very personal and heartfelt, that they seemed to fit together really well in a collection on its own. It wasn't originally intended to be a solo project, but by the way it fit together – Uh, It seemed to really work with one cohesive voice in the stories throughout, that if we um, put in another voice or another storyline, it might not quite make sense. So it just kind of came naturally as this collection worked. And as I worked through it in the studio and started working with some of the uh, the guest musicians I work with uh, via correspondence, it just came together on a project on its own. And I decided to put it out and started working with Chris and Chip and the people at Miles High. And a bunch of videos and all kinds of stuff and just took off on its own. It was not It was a really organic process. It wasn't as deliberate as sometimes happens when people go solo. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So it just was like, it just felt right. This this project sort of said, you know, the, you sort of let the project sort of decide like what it was going to be.
1: Exactly. And the other thing yeah. is I picked up 12-string bass, which um, Tom Peterson plays from the band Chief Trick. And I think the guy in Pearl Jam plays one, too. There's a few people out there I know of. It's a really kind of difficult bass instrument to play, and I, I picked up one of Tom's old basses, and, and then I got another one as backup and learned how to play that and added that to the mix, and it really changed the dynamic and the sound of the material I had from the iTalk material. That, that alone was his growling bass, the drums. It just sounded awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of sounding awesome... Um... We're going to go ahead and let uh, the, the kids at home uh, have a taste of uh, of uh, your latest, the, the single week that you've got out right now, which is uh, Pearl. And what, what is it? What is, the name of your album is Premier? Is that the name of the album? What's the name of the album? Yeah, it's Premier. It's called Premier. Okay. So um, this is uh, Jonathan Cavert, and this is a track called Pearl. Uh, and I also highly uh, encourage you guys to go to YouTube and watch a video. He's got a great video for it. But this is Pearl uh, by Jonathan Cabrera on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.
2: time yeah. When you find
0: Okay, Jonathan, very cool. Um, tell me about this song. What's this song about?
1: The song is about the classic another fish in the sea kind of story where um, you you date someone and it doesn't quite work out for various reasons and you feel kind of despair at the moment but then you turn around and there's someone else that comes down that, that may be more, uh, better suited for you and is a better match. I think a lot of times people, when they're in relationships, try to be somebody they're not in order to satisfy and please the other. And and the trick is to be yourself with someone. That's, I think, um, and also learn to blow things off. Those two things, if you can manage those, uh, are, are keys to a long-term relationship. And that's what this song's about, a, a process of, how about this one? No. How about this one? No. Okay, this one's just right. Kind of a uh, kind of mama bear, baby bear,
0: Goldilocks <laughs> routine. <laughs> um. So, so uh, now, do uh, you write autobiographically? I mean, are you not, are you yeah, like not kind of exploring stuff that like maybe you've dealt with? or Not always. Sometimes I'll pick
1: a story and I'll make it sound first person, um, but it wasn't really an event that happened. I'll just kind of turn it around and, and describe what it would be like if that was me. But some of them are. I mean, Comes the Moment is a single that's coming up later in the year, and we're filming a video for that. Um, that song is somewhat autobiographical. Um, and, and I think it's, it's kind of one of those moments where you have a conversation about raising a child, and, and when they're getting older, if they get an acceptance letter to college, and whether they're going to go off to college, and that kind of stuff. And, and you have that, that moment are you ready to let your kid go and unleash them into the world? Have you done a good enough job or not? I think that's somewhat relatable to a lot of people. And that's a kind of topic and, and, and subject matter that I think set that particular song, uh, aside and, and, and apart from the ITalk collection, that was the first song that I felt like it felt like a different collection than the I talk stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that song, I just tried to write this, this whole CD and collection was really just trying to draw out. Stories that I thought people would relate to.
0: When you when you sit down, what is the writing process like? Do you sit down intentionally, like you know, like it's you know, like you discipline yourself to like every day at a certain time, and you you work on ideas, or, or how how does it how does it work for you? That's
1: a really good question, and and we follow um, people like Sam Jones who does um, uh, like a um, TV show, and they talk about. Uh, different actors and musicians' creative process. So that, that question, I, I love that question. I have pretty much three different styles of writing. One, mm-hmm. I'll take and I'll write some lyrics that come to mind up front so that when I'm trying to catch the melody as it comes through the air, I have some lyrics from which to kind of speak out or, or hum along with. When I'm trying to capture the chord progression, and okay. the melody as it comes. So having the lyrics up front helps trying to not do three things at once, so to speak. Mm. Um, so that's so you one you have part some lyrics
0: it. sort of stowed away so that, yeah. like, as you're coming up with the ideas, oh, I'll grab these, and these will kind of help me put this together. Exactly. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: So then, there's other ones where I just hear a melody, and then I'll hum along the, um, some line. Gene Simmons does that a lot me. He was doing a lot of his. So rah, 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 that's, his, that's <laughs> it. And you'll record on a dictaphone or something and then later on add some lyrics. Or the hardest part, the hardest way to do it is to try to do all three at once. Try to write the lyrics, hear the melody and the chord progression all at the same time and try to filter in all that creative moment and that juices as it comes through. That's the hardest way to do it. A lot of people do it that way. They typically write gu- on um, guitar, but sometimes it's on keyboards. And, um, and then the melody comes that way. But, but I love that question because it really depends. Typically, it's the lyrics up front with the, with the acoustic guitar, not any patterns going on, and just like a little dictaphone kind of recording device just to capture that creative moment. Then I'll go back in the Pro Tools later and, and structure out the length of the song with the drum pattern, and then I, I'll go through my producer mode and um, how I'm going to capture the length of the song and the turnarounds and add all the drum programming, keyboard stuff. That's Once I've got the song, that whole layering process is the part I think I enjoy the most.
0: So after you get the basic, okay, do you flesh the lyrics out as you go, or when you go to Pro Tools, you've got, like, the song? Or, or, do, you, or do you allow yourself to, or you play in Pro Tools and move the, you know, okay, I'll put the, you know, no, I decided I want to do the chorus two times over here instead of once and, and move it around. How, how, what happens at Pro Tools? Are you ready to go or are you still playing around with it?
1: Both. I'll have the structure and the length of the song with the verse um, bars and, and maybe pre-chorus turnarounds and coda section, and I'll play a drum pattern within Pro Tools in the grid uh, at the tempo that I want the song to be, and I'll play a rough uh, acoustic guitar vocal pass of the length of the song. So that allows me to use the grid to, to fly in new drum patterns that might go different with how I might interpret the bass later on, or if I have a turnaround that I can, I can um, play the bass along with the drum turnarounds. So I start with the basic structure and tempo, because that allows me the grid and the platform from which to then add creative elements. So typically the song is structured in its length and all its different turnarounds, sometimes you made a good point. Every now and then I'll go, hey, that chorus should be a little bit longer. And I'll insert in a double chorus or whatever. So
0: sometimes. Okay. Um, so, so, the, so the drums are, like, really kind of important to you then. That kind of, like, helps you set up what the overall feel of the song is going to be once you have the lyrics and the melody.
1: Yeah, because I'll have, like, a basic rhythmic notion that's kind of in my head that I'm playing the the guitar pattern too, but it's not until the pattern is there that really sets the groove. In fact, this is a method that, um, Dave Kent and I talked about that Prince used a lot in his studio. And so Dave was there a lot when Prince was doing a lot of his demos. And when I was working with Dave, he would talk about that process a little bit. I told him about mine. He's like, it's pretty close. The same kind of thing he was doing. Like, good. I'm, I'm tapping into something then. Good.
0: Um, if you can just indulge me on one more question about your, uh, how you put the songs together. When you were doing the patterns, are you actually like tapping out the patterns on a keyboard or are you using loops or, or, or what, do you, what are you doing? How are you creating that?
1: I do both. Um, okay. So, I think over the year I started, off, I started off drum programming back in the day with all the primitive drum machines that are out there and the humanized skills and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very used to drum programming. In fact, um, a number of the songs on this CD were just, like you say, tapping on the, the buttons and creating the patterns and stuff. But I really appreciate a lot of the loop CDs that are out there that are kind of public domain stuff you can use and stuff, and those are just excellent. And the quality of those recordings allows me just to um, to fly those into Pro Tools, and you can sync them up at the tempo of your songs. You know, we use um, stylus a lot on different things. That's um uh, um, a really good special sonics plugin that that I use on a lot of songs. I use a lot of plugins in general, but I also have keyboards that I like to get sounds out of those and do a blend.
0: Um, before we move on to your uh, uh, your tennis career, um, <laughs> uh, um, what is so, so Are you are you going on tour? Um, what's the sort of live uh, Jonathan Kever live experience going to be?
1: I just filmed a performance video that will come out sometime between now and um, probably on October or November, Between most likely between when the comes a moment video I was mentioning comes out later in the year. And that shows generally what it looks like when I play live. And more to come on that. You can uh, check out the website. and People can follow that uh, when we have more postings on that. But generally I wanted to get that out there so I can show venues what it looks like when I play I'm talking to places now in Phoenix to get out there in wine bars and different cool uh, places where I do like an acoustic routine. Plus Mm -hmm. I have an iPad where I have some drum loops from the CD. I strip it down. It's not completely produced uh, with all the instruments like it is on the CD. I strip it back, maybe bass drums, a little bit of keyboard atmospherics, and I play my acoustic 12-string, sing live to it. And sometimes I'll play a, a keyboard next to me, a small keyboard with some Atmospherics, along with the tracks that are going on, just to make it interesting, because I've done a lot of um, acoustic live performances, and honestly, not just to me, but the listeners, when you're just doing acoustic guitar and vocal, it can get boring and monotonous after a while. It sounds the same from song to song, even if they're completely different. Mm-hmm. So I like adding some loops and some percussion stuff and maybe some keyboard atmospherics in the background just to show some distinction from song to song. So that's I'm, very I'm,
0: that's very interesting, Jonathan. Because I've talked to like a lot of artists who are um, doing that exact thing, you know. And you know, in the, 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 you know a few years ago, you know, that was a lot of people like, oh, you know, he's karaokeing it up there, you know. But right. it's become way more uh, accepted, as you see more and more, um, more and more, more and more people uh, doing that. And I think what you're, the way you're describing it, is probably the best way. You don't necessarily the full production, you know, on your iPad, you, uh, um, you know, you do, you you know, you're sort of acknowledging the fact that, no, I don't really have a band here. I know that, you know, and you're kind of, you know, giving them something special, um, you know, and it gives you some room to kind of like let it breathe a little bit and and kind of make the event, uh, make the live uh, presentation uh, something uh, that's special, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and and a lot of times, at this point, I'm playing these smaller venues. Can't even play loud. I bring, like, a little Bose spike thing with some lights. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I got my CDs there. And, and you know, with all humility, I'm playing these places, and I'm getting my music out there, like like, um, we talk about. And I'm doing that hard work. But I wanted to be prepared with the right amount of my original material plus covers. Um, I, I do... That's another thing we should talk about. I do, I do a lot of really, like my version of covers, and we have a series on our website that started. It's called Kazair Covers, and the first one that came out last week was Savor Prayer by Duran Duran.
0: Yeah, I, I love stuff. I love it when artists, like, take something like, like that and make it their own. I didn't, have not had a chance to listen to that yet. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the uh, songs you like to sort of remake in your own uh, style?
1: Yeah, great. So that one was the first one. The next one up, um, I just launched on iTunes. It takes about a month for them to drop on iTunes and Amazon and all the places, so they need some lead time. That'll drop around the end of September, and that song is The Flame by Cheap Trick.
0: Oh, that's a great song, man. That is a, such a wow, – oh, kudos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Yeah, thanks. And I think my version is cool. And, um, in fact, last week when, uh, when Cheap Trick was here with Heart, I had a chance to get backstage and talk to Tom Peterson about his 12 string bass. And, you know, it's just an awesome moment to, to have been recording that song in the studio. And then I bump into him backstage and we talk about 12 string bass. So that was an awesome moment. And then, uh, and then the next song up is I have a couple in the mix. That's not until October it's going to drop. It's probably going to be Fields of Gold by Sting. Mm-hmm. So I have, and like I said, they, they all match the Jonathan there kind of vibe sound. But to your point, the familiar songs that people know and they go, Oh oh yeah, that guy's, that guy's cool. And I like that version of that song that I already know.
0: Yeah. It gives people something to latch onto. It gives them a little bit of, you know, you know, it's kind of bridging the gap between what you do and, you know, what they already know so that, you know, they can get to know you a little bit in the context of something that, uh, you know, is isn't, uh, that's familiar to them. So it's yeah, a very smart Chris, thing to do.
1: Chris and Chip and i have talked about that. It makes me a little more accessible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we, uh, before we wrap up here because we're time is flying by, let's talk. You have, uh, a, uh, a career as a semi-pro tennis player. Now tell us about, uh, this, I, and I will be honest with you. I know very little about tennis. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, what you do with tennis well
1: okay sure i played te- um i played semi-pro baseball i don't know 10 years ago 12 years ago and i was just kind of sick of standing around I, I did that all around phoenix area and i was looking for something for exercise and i got sick of the treadmill and i saw the french open on tv when i was at home mixing a, a cd uh, one week and i thought i should try tennis that looks kind of fun i I think I made uh, a bat ball around when I was a kid, maybe 12 or something, but I'd never really played. I found a local teacher who taught um, – he was the coach at the high school, and he taught me the fundamentals. I got the bug. I started playing like three hours a day. Some On the weekends, I would play sometimes six hours a day. Putting Yeah, there's a rule out there. I forget the guy's name. Some of us know that guy's name. I, I can't think of his name right now. Out there with a 10,000-hour rule. So oh, yeah, about, yeah.
0: You can't really call yourself an expert unless you've done something for yeah, like 10,000, 10,000 hours. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get
1: some credit for baseball hours because hand-eye coordination stuff. But then I I had to put in the hours for tennis, and I've done it for now seven years. I got about 8,500 hours into it. But in, even with that amount of hours into it, I'm still doing pretty well. I'm, I play my age group. <laughs> So when I act my age, I do pretty well. If I play open, which is like with the kids, like the 20-year-olds are all fantastic trying to get on the tour and stuff, those guys usually shred me. But if I play, <laughs> guys, if I play guys who are my age and sometimes they're kind of slow, I have a chance. Um, but a lot of them are excellent. A lot of them are like former NCAA champions. Some of them are former touring pros. I mean, i played over the years. I mean, it's only been seven years, but – This last year, I played national tournaments at the national level. If you win them, you get like a gold ball. It's like the prestigious thing in the USTA, uh, US Tennis Association. It's the awesome uh, ultimate level to win a gold ball. I won rounds in those, but then got killed by the top seeds right after that. But my goal is to win one of those gold balls, like some of my buddies I practice with who have been playing since they are six. But I look at it like this. You know, I've been doing music since I was 11. They've been doing it tennis since they're like, you know, six, seven, eight, sometimes 11. So music is my thing that I've been doing, and I have all well over 10,000 hours in. And it's just a, an equivalent uh, thing. It's some, somewhat relative. But tennis was just exercise, and I got into the competitiveness. I won a lot of tournaments uh, at the regional level and playing one again in two weeks down in Tucson. And the quality of people involved are just, they're all like, you know, Experts in their field, doctors, investment bankers and stuff, and just really cool guys to be around. And, you know, they're, they, they get kind of a kick out of me being a musician and the CDs and stuff that I have. And it's all just a fun thing. And we all, I don't know about you, but when we were kids, we used to come home from school and throw the football around and, and play baseball uh, down at the park until the sun uh, went yeah. down and the lights mm-hmm. went on. That was what we did. So I kind of yeah. got that back again just at an older age. I found a bunch of guys around my age who did the same thing when they were young, and we just happened to do tennis together now.
0: Well, cool. Well, very good, man. And it's – I tell you what, man, I I attempted uh, to take tennis as an elective in college, and it (laughs) kicked my ass. (laughs) (laughs) I dropped out as quickly (laughs) as possible and put something else. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) It's really hard. Yeah, it's really
1: hard. It's really
0: humbling. (laughs) especially when you're in college and you're trying to look cool in front of girls. Cause I knew a lot of girls took it. And I was like, Oh, this is good. man. I was, I was like, now <laughs> I'm done.
1: <laughs> My goal was to be as good as a 15 year old girl I used to practice with. And she was
0: excellent. <sighs> well, well, you know what, man, uh, that is a great goal to have. And I'm really <laughs> ready all the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us before we wrap up, tell everybody out there in internet land, like how, where, where you are on the internet and how they can, Keep up with uh, what you have going on. The best place
1: to, to find out what's going on is our platform at Kavermusic.com. And from there, there's launches to uh, Facebook and Twitter um, and, and also to the videos through YouTube and everything else. So that's a good platform. It's at caviermusic.com.
0: There you have it, everyone. That is, just in case you missed, that. C-A-V-I-E-R caviermusic.com. Uh, Jonathan, any uh, closing remarks, anything you'd like to say before we uh, wrap this up? No, listen, thank you
1: very much for your time. The questions were great, and I really appreciated it.
0: No problem. Um, Okay, uh, if you could hang on um, uh, through the uh, end here, and then uh, we've got a little off-the-record business we have to take care of, okay? Very good. All right. Thank you very much. No, no problem. Uh, Guys, that's uh, uh, Jonathan Cabare. And uh, one more time, that website is kavermusic.com. Uh, just really enjoyed talking to, uh, to uh, Jonathan. Uh, just, uh, you know, as you guys, you guys could tell, he's a super easy going guy. He's obviously very passionate about music and about a songwriter. He takes it very, very seriously, and you can hear it. Kavermusic.com. Uh, guys, check that out. Guys, you've been listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. That's Ludini, Uh, If you like artists like Jonathan Cabare and the different people that we've been interviewing here that we feature on our music program, uh, pop by uh, SupportIndieRock.com where you can get involved with the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus <clears throat> and help us do more to uh, promote the great artists like Jonathan. Uh, one more time to my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine. That is PPLMag.com. And um guys, thanks so much for listening one more time to Jonathan, Jonathan Kavare, uh, Kavermusic.com. Guys, I <clears throat> uh, we really uh appreciate you guys listening out there and uh stay in touch with us. Uh visit our website often, Ludini and we will catch you guys on the next podcast.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Oh, a book club.